1: We continue in the Sermon on the Mount to Matthew chapter 7, verse 15, which reads, Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. Once you choose the narrow gate and begin your journey on the narrow way to life, there are numerous enemies, and they are shrewd. They are called false prophets a true prophet is god's mouthpiece chosen and equipped by god to bring his message to people a false prophet pretends to speak for god but is actually a self-appointed mouthpiece for his or her own message false prophets are people who exert spiritual influence on people contrary to god's way the new testament speaks of false prophets false brothers false apostles false teachers, false speakers, false witnesses, and false Christs. Satan counterfeits everything good from God, and he infiltrates every group where God is at work. Everything Satan does is deceitful. God uses his spokesman. Satan counters with false prophets. Please listen to Pastor Jim's message entitled, Beware of Wolves.
0: I don't know how much more open it could be than people carrying around little things in their pockets and purses that can connect them to any false prophet in the world anywhere, anytime. Now, you can also have your Bible on that little box, and you can also use it for a lot of other... You know, you can even make a phone call on those things. It's very relevant to us. Consider the ones who consistently undermine churches, and they advise their listeners and callers over and over again, to to get away from those stuffy old churches and get the materials that we're offering to you. Satan loves to hear things like that because every time he can pull a person away from the church, even temporarily, the body of Christ is weakened. Why? Because we are members of one another. And there's a whole bunch, as I said, of those one another commands in the New Testament. We need each other. We belong to each other. Now, you have to come individually through that narrow gate without any baggage. You must come by faith. But once you do, you're part of a family. And anybody trying to pull apart the family is doing the work of the enemy. Or consider the embarrassing number of preachers... With very broad reach, who have been sexually immoral, even more tragic than the shame that they bring on, uh, on Christ and to all Christians is the fact that a lot of them and this has happened several times, including in the last few months, already been exposed for uh, multiple cases of adultery, and then, oh yep, you know, I finally got caught. Uh, I'm sorry. And then six months later, here I am, starting a new church. y'all come while their life is a screaming contradiction to the qualifications for spiritual leadership. Or consider, if you want to think of it being applicable today, consider the dozens of false prophets, and dozens is probably an understatement, especially these days in the circle of the NAR. Now, NAR is a T.L.A. A TLA is a three-letter acronym. NAR is the TLA for New Apostolic Reformation. That's a movement where people are claiming that, hey, we have apostles now. As a matter of fact, we are apostles now. Click this link, pay your money, and you can be an apostle. By golly, how exciting is that? So, never mind that the apostles died in the era of the... Apostles, a whole bunch of people running around, and f- hordes of them prophesied that God told them specifically to let everybody know that Donald Trump would win the 2020 presidential election. Justin Peters has a, a, about an hour and a half uh, video on his YouTube channel about the, the awful year for the prophets of 2020. Listen, That's binary, okay? It was either right or it was wrong, and it was wrong. And when they were found out to be wrong, they explained why it was okay for them to be wrong. If they were in the era of the Old Testament, they should all be sentenced to immediate death by stoning. But they keep right on going. Those modern prophets... By the way, they didn't only biff it on the election. A lot of them started saying that in in 2019. But, you know, looking forward to 2020, if you were getting messages from God to help God's people understand what's coming, do you think there might have been something about, oh, I don't know, COVID-19? They all missed it. Now, there's uh, one or two of them I've heard about that they made prophecies that were so... So general and squishy and nonspecific that then about eight months after the shutdown and all of that, then they went back and claimed that that's what they meant back then. But apparently they can't say it, because that would have been well, that would have been putting themselves on the line. And the fact that such people continue that's just evidence of the existence of Satan, but the fact that they maintain a following. That's proof that not only do false prophets abound, but people on the broad way, and maybe some who are on the narrow way, are woefully unwilling to face what this passage actually teaches. One wrong prophecy or prediction in the name of God, one wrong setting of a date about prophetic events, And that person, like I say, in the Old Testament, should have been stoned. And the fact that Christians don't just rise up and scream, give me my money back, I should have never supported you. That's how it should be, but it's not. Look, when you get thorns, you're not in God's vineyard. When you get thistles, you're not brushing against a fig tree. You will know them by their fruits. Now, Jesus said this in the middle of His great Galilean ministry, the height of His popularity. The church wasn't even born yet. That's explained to us later. But let's jump ahead in time to the final inspired chapter written by the Apostle Paul before he died. So we'll go forward about 35, 36, 37 years from after the Sermon on the Mount. And these words, I think you know where I'm headed, these words are the standard marching orders for every pastor, every elder, every teacher, every evangelist in the church at all times, in every location, until the rapture. Now what am I referring to? 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 1 through 4. Now, when Paul wrote to Timothy, he'd already been through a lot. He'd been through his first imprisonment, released, and then um, uh, he'd left Timothy in Ephesus to deal with, by the way, some false prophets, some false teachers. And Timothy knew that Paul knew that he was going to be martyred pretty soon. And he writes to his understudy, if you will, and he says, I solemnly charge you. Now, when a guy who's expecting the executioners to come for him any day says, Brother, I solemnly charge you. You're going to listen, right? But listen to how he beefs it up. I solemnly charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead and by his appearing in his kingdom. Well, Timothy, you think Brother Paul has something important to say to you here? I I think so. And what does he say? Here's what you need to do. Preach the Word, referring to the Word of God. Where has he mentioned that? Oh, I don't know. Two verses before this? That's what he's talking about. Preach the Word, which is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness. Preach the Word. Then he says, be ready in season and out of season. If it's popular or not, be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with great patience and instruction. Now, don't tell me you're not supposed to turn from your sin if you're a Christian. What does reprove mean? What does rebuke mean? What does exhort mean? Get somebody who's going off the track, point out where they're going off the track, help them fix it and get them back on track and go along, and help them with, the, with their walk with Christ. But then look at what else he says. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. This is the first century. This is the late 60s of the first century. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but wanting to have their ears tickled, they will accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance to their own desires and will turn away, from, turn away their ears from the truth and will turn aside to myths. That passage from the pen of Paul is saying in different words, Exactly what Jesus said at the conclusion of the Sermon on the Mount, the summary of which we've just seen today. Is this practical? Is this relevant? We're sure not in the first century, but it is practical. The largest church in the United States is reputed to be Lakewood Church in Houston, Texas. And I say reputed because... Among the megachurches, somebody might want to argue over which is the greatest. Uh, Its famous pastor, I will give him this, he does not delve into the idiocy of the prophetic claims like the New Apostolic Reformation false prophets, but he is a large and loud example of doing exactly what 2 Timothy chapter chapter 4 describes.